Are you guys ready up there? You'll always remember the films you love by those iconic images on the screen. In our latest podcast, we celebrate the work and role of a cinematographer. WFT Vice Chair DOP Yarrow Waldeck is in conversation with celebrated DOP Kate McCullough about the role, expertise and artistic input of the cinematographer on a project, as well as Kate's impressive career to date. Kate and I are going to chat um, about the role of a cinematographer and the more practical things of um, uh, how, how do you go about the work of a cinematographer uh, for for maybe 40, 50 minutes. And then I'm going to open up the, the conversation to you, our listeners. Uh, if you have a question that you'd like to ask Kate, please type it into the chat. Uh, of the of the zoom window and I'll try to get to as many questions as as we receive um so but for now Kate I just wanted to ask you um what is your background as far as learning cinematography how did you approach um once you realized you want this is what you wanted to do how did you go about becoming qualified and and learning the craft <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's always learning. I think that's kind of the joy of the work we do is like, you're always sort of a new little challenge within the mix of everything that's familiar already. But then it's sort of like, yeah, it, it's, I think it's always exciting that you, you know, that you even challenge your own approach at times. Like I just finished the film before Christmas that was all you know using mirrors to life predominantly and that's like a whole system that I'm not familiar with. you know I hadn't previously used and obviously had heard of um but I know the system yeah. <laughs> that you speak of and I look forward to using it I haven't had the opportunity yet either yeah it's, a, it's absolutely amazing and like you're it is it is just re you have to re relook at your whole approach to lighting and you know it's it's about kind of a game of snooker <laughs> much yes. more so mm. in a way because you you know you're kind of using mirrors to keep continually reusing recycling the light and I think mm -hmm. it's, it's a really exciting space particularly now when we're trying to save energy and you know yeah less load in trucks and be economical with fuel and all of that so maybe we should just say that the system is is the name of the system clrs or yeah, that's right. yeah okay yeah. so for those interested please google it um um, it, it's basically using a beam of light and and a few reflectors bouncing the light around and lighting mm -hmm. lighting your space yeah it's just like you know i suppose traditional lamps there's a certain amount of waste continually out to the sides you're not getting very clean lines um and so this system it's like amazing like you could just stand right beside the lamp and you're not feeling any like heat or yeah it's just like spills mm. it's so clean sometimes you forget you, you can't quite see where the beam is because it's just like so tidy Anyway, so going back to yeah, but I wanted to know how like did you did you go did you study cinematography or did you learn on the go? 
I yeah, I, I went sort of yeah, film school route. Um, so after after I realized I didn't want to be a painter, <laughs> I didn't want to I didn't want to be on my own. Actually, that was I think the fundamental thing that I wanted to work with people. Um, I think that's like a really important trace to have as a crew member. Like you have to have that as your, you know, it's yeah, it's a huge part of it. But um, yeah, so then I and my art teacher actually said to me. Like whatever you do, don't study photography. <laughs> oh, really? After we did like a, a module, you know, just a kind of month on like photography. And he, he said this <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's what I should do. <laughs> so then there might have been a bit reverse psychology there. But so I applied for photography and film in Dunleary and uh, did, got, didn't get accepted in photography. And in film. <laughs> oh wow there you go um, so although I had no experience I hadn't yeah I hadn't got any I hadn't done any little films you know I was very much coming from stills like a very stationary look at the world you know or, or moments off but I hadn't quite sort of begun to understand how you put moving images together so um yeah it was a big big learning curve and um, I actually spent the first two years more or less editing I sort of fell into and even though I went there knowing oh I want to you know be a cinematographer but all the men were <laughs> kind of hogging the camera and I was very shy and so I kind of said oh, okay well I'll step back there's other things going on here I'll try editing and I think actually it was really good to, yeah, just start to understand the building blocks of how you put some, you know, a film together. So I did actually get a hold of the camera. It was like, okay, I kind of know what I might need to do here to tell a story. So okay, to be able to cut a scene together. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think they're just so interrelated. Like it's, it's really good if you can cut your own stuff. <laughs> yes no I agree I agree with you absolutely yeah. and uh, so when you were in Dunleary I mean I I know that you then further went uh, to study photo uh, cinematography uh, in Poland mm. but I wasn't going to tell that to our audiences but now I have <laughs> so obviously at some Water. point <laughs> I can't hold a secret at some point it clicked for you and you wanted to learn more right why what what was the motivation um, for, for, for furthering your study studies rather than doing it out in the field? Mm, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because yeah, there was definitely a crossroads when I finished in Dunleary, um to go out and start like assisting um, or trying to shoot shoot my own stuff. Um, but I think there was a few things going on. I had shot quite a number of films in the final year and I think I'd sort of reached a little bit of a burnout. <laughs> and um, thought, okay, I wanna like just step away from it for a while. I kind of worked in a homeless shelter for almost oh. a year and then kind of realized, oh no, actually <laughs> I do really love making films. <laughs> um, 
but also I think there was maybe still I, I don't think I believed that like I could do it somehow I think maybe I was also shying away from you know kind of going for it um, and I I yeah I don't think I saw like I just didn't as a woman like I, I just don't think I had any there was no women in Ireland that were kind of really you know working or that I could see working as cinematographers um and there were a few in the UK but like just seemed like so far away and not part of the world and yeah I think there probably was an element of like um not sure whether I could I was ready although then I did kind of commit to going to Poland which would suggest that I felt like I had something there that could be I just needed a bit more um, encouragement, I think, <laughs> you know, or or kind of just like seeing other, because when I got to Poland, there was other women on the course studying cinematography, and there was a really great um, female Polish cinematographer, um, Jolanta Dolewska, who was like visiting the school, you know, and workshopping and stuff. So like all of a sudden I was like wow okay I'm meeting you know here's somebody who's working in the industry making it happen like maybe I could also do the same and but of course I didn't know that when I was signing up to this course in Poland I didn't know that there would be or, or even that I was doubting myself because I was a woman I don't, I don't know whether that was necessarily no, it's the forefront. I just maybe didn't feel like I was fully ready. So, yeah. So I applied there and got a grant, an Arts Council grant, and I was oh wow, okay, like nine months kind of stage program. Um, and they had said, oh yeah, come on over. Like you don't need to speak Polish. Like it's everything's through English. <laughs> That's got, fantastic. But <laughs> when I got there, it was like. <laughs> no, like there is maybe like two classes in English, but actually the I these other classes and they're in Polish. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. And so I kind of said goodbye to everybody and like announced that I was going on this like training <laughs> program. So I think it was like pride sort of forced me to like stay and learn Polish. So yeah, I spent like the guts of a year learning Polish. And, wow! Yeah. Wow! But you got through it and, and it gave you that initial at least kind of belief that you can go out and try to join that world and try your hand at it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think it was, I suppose, such a history of cinematography there that maybe wasn't necessarily, like, I think in Ireland the industry is still very young and it's not, our, not necessarily our natural like in our gene pool, I don't think it's, you know, we like to, we like to communicate in words, I think, our, our tradition. And I think part of me looking towards Eastern Europe was like curious about how they were telling stories, much more kind of emphasis on images and symbolism and metaphors and images, as opposed to actually saying the thing. And that, I guess that was sort of coming you know, based on sort of communistic <laughs> times and how people had to sort of find another way around 
saying what they wanted to say. <laughs> so, exactly, propaganda. I mean, you, you know all about that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> oh, well, I, I'm, I'm really happy that, that you did um, feel that, that that was the, the route to take and that you took it. Um, because I do, I do see you as somebody who is um, growing the visual storytelling here in Ireland. Um, I think Irish people are incredible storytellers, sto storytellers verbally, um, and the the visual is catching up. And definitely in the last ten years that I've lived here, I've seen a huge development in the in the quality of visual storytelling. And uh, it's it's only good. It's it's mm -hmm. only for the for the better. So. Okay, tell me um, if if um, you were approached by maybe a beginning director, or somebody who maybe shot some few few shorts uh, with friends or you know the kind of family, uh, what, how would you try to kind of explain to them what everything it is that you have to do now that they want to hire you? What is your role as a DOP? on the entire experience of making a movie? Besides, besides mind the reader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the biggest credit, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, it's just like interpreting the director's like vision or even if it's pre-vision, like it's, it's sort of the idea that they want to, or the story they want to tell and it's, facilitating that through like uh composition lighting movements yeah a, a visual like finding a visual language for the story i guess um and the director will come to the table with different um strengths and so it's just yeah, like depending on the degree of how they you know how much they like to get involved in the individual side of things or whether they're more sort of um maybe acting orientated i mean to be honest i think now i'll probably yeah generally work with <laughs> directors that have that i can have a visual conversation with i think at this point i i mean maybe i'll swing back around where i'll be happy to to sort of have that conversation myself. But I I, I think, yeah, for me at the moment, the, the, you know, the sort of enjoyable part of it is to be able to sort of find that language together and that you, you know, is a bouncing forward and back of ideas and yeah, just response to the world around you, but in a visual way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so when a when a script comes to you, um, whether it's written by the director or it's an independent writer and then some somebody else that will direct it, um, what is the kind of initial prep that you have to do with the director? And I thought that maybe instead of being kind of um, general, you could use the A Quiet Girl, your latest film. Well, probably not latest, but uh, latest nominated film to kind of illustrate what kind of prep did you have to do? What did you have to cover before you actually went into shooting? Mm -hmm. um, so The Quiet Girl on Colleen Kuhn. <laughs> on Colleen Kuhn. My, my Irish isn't great. 
<laughs> Neither is mine. <laughs> Could you believe well, that? <laughs> which is, is a, I think there's something in that as well, where, of course, I know the script and I know what the actor's intent is, but I think there's something to be said for, like, the, I think I was probably tuned in quite a bit to body language more than you know when you you fully understand the language I think there's, there's another layer to that like I don't know mm -hmm. if you've ever shot anything where you don't fully understand the language um, I don't think I, I have yet yeah I did a documentary in Sweden which was all in Swedish <laughs> I don't speak Swedish but somehow <laughs> it worked you know but I, I think you tap into another level of how people are communicating. So I think there is something, I, yeah, I've done two Irish language films now and there's definitely something in that, like, um, but anyway, sorry, to go back to the, the prep. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I quite like to, I suppose for me, like prep is ultimately getting to know the director and for them to also get to know you and to sort of build a trust of like a, a sort of working relationship, how you're going to communicate. That's like ultimately the aim for me of, of prep and everything else then will sort of find its way no matter what's happening on the day. If everything goes to, <laughs> to the hell and back, it's like you'll find a way through because you understand each other and you trust each other to way you know so I think that's the most important sort of thing to have in your mind when you're going into prep because we can get kind of waylaid into oh you know the technicalities of like what boxes I should be ticking and when should I be having these conversations and who should I be having them with and <laughs> um so I think like the director is always kind of the one that you need to <clears throat> like save your focus for you know because this, there can be so much distraction as well I mean that happens anyway on set <laughs> but even before that there's a lot of kind of voices that come in and people asking questions and um, so the first thing for me is like to sit down and maybe I quite like to prep over food <laughs> oh <laughs> so, lovely yeah um, so that just becomes more of a a relaxed over and back sort of conversation and not forced into okay now we have to talk about the visual language you know <laughs> <laughs> it becomes more like okay what films do we like to watch or what you know what do you think about I don't know like something like a maybe an exhibition that you saw at the weekend or like that it's yeah that you can comfortably say what you feel about the world around you and, and sort of like how, how you see, begin to see the story that you're trying to tell and um, yeah. and do you Kate do you offer your thoughts on the script before you hear the director's thoughts <laughs> or do you wait do you first wait to say anything um yeah, I just did an interview recently, actually, where I kind of felt like, oh, I, I could have maybe asked the director a little bit more about their 
why they came to this script, you know, um, because in a way that that interview, that first meeting, it is about both of you getting to know each other. Like, of course, you've been invited to the interview. So you're trying to share with them what your sensibilities are and how you like to work. But it's equally as important in a way for you to try and, you know, garner some of that information. And so it's a kind of delicate process as well, you know, you don't have much time and it's like, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, what I do is I kind of put together like a mood board, the kind of label that this is a discussion document, like it's in no way, you know, how I say, okay, this is how it should be. You know, it's almost like for me, like testing the, the waters a bit to see how their response is to you know, maybe a more composed image or something that's a little bit more bold or, um, you know, so very quickly you can start to see like what their sort of taste or, or sort of response is to the, the, the piece of writing or, you know, what, what, what it is they want to say. Uh, so yeah, I think a mood board, yeah, rather than it being like this is how I see the film <laughs> it's more like oh yeah well this image came to mind like while I was reading and then like you might have just a mad mix of different styles within that but it's sort of because I, I also think that you can read a script like maybe five or six different ways like it is a very sort of pared down document and often like you could go off <laughs> slightly in another you know, in a different different hands, different director would take it in a different direction. So, um, yeah, and I've particularly noticed that just with uh, adaptations from books recently, where you'll have read the book and then you read the script, and it's like, wow, it's so bare, you know. But you know what, what it is because you've read the book. But it's, it, yeah, I find it quite helpful actually to have the book because you have this sort of like fleshy. All right, that's a good tip. Script, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and oftentimes I think it's sort of like a little bit ambiguous, like, you know, you know, there was a line written one way, but an actor could say it so many different ways. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I understand what you mean. Yeah. I find, I think I've made a mistake once at an interview by, by offering my idea first. <laughs> Uh, b before really hearing what it is that the director imagined and I, I, I could see the interest draining out of mm. out of the director as I was thinking <laughs> so I I have learned to to first ask uh, kind of how they imagine it if they have thought about any kind of films that they've seen that feel in similar way or if they have some sort of visual um, cues um, for what they imagine in their mind. But um, uh, it, it definitely happened to me through process of learning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like all these things, I think it's like nobody really tells you how to do an interview for... <laughs> That's what they don't teach you in film school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're like, we're all discussing highfalutin things. And then like, actually, when it comes down to it, it's like, oh, God, how do I get a job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> also because I guess in film school you're collaborating with your friends. You already know each other, so you don't have that whole kind of, you know, cold kind of initials or like, who are you? <laughs> um, and also with Zoom, I think it's, you know, done so many interviews now on Zoom. It's, it's just a complete different way of operating and I think you can put your foot in it very, very quickly. And, quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's much harder to gauge the room. Um, but yeah, so I guess like Colm has, like there wasn't a formal interview for that film, The Quiet Girl, but I suppose we met, we agreed to meet. I had, I'd read Foster, so it's an adaptation of Claire Keegan's Foster. Um, and I don't read a huge amount, so when he said, I've, I'm adapting, you know, Foster, I was like, oh my God, this is like one of my favorite books, you know. It's oh, like, wow, that's short, wonderful. Short <laughs> um, so yeah, I was super excited. Um, and we met, just you know, had a coffee, and I guess we were kind of sussing each other out to see like whether, yeah, whether it's, it could work. Um, and that's that's really like yeah it's a bit like dating i guess you know because you're sort of like testing the waters and you know um it's yeah it's it's um and, and everybody's so different as well like you <laughs> you never know what what's what you're going to meet <laughs> and um, and Callum was just brilliant and like he's just very kind of gentle character and um, but very kind of clear on what the story he wanted to tell and why why you know why he was drawn to it and um, he actually had a little kind of mood reel which was interesting so he had like um, uh, Lim Ramsey's Ratcatcher, which was another. Oh wow! Mm. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, yeah, and yeah, just a whole series of images that I was immediately like, oh yeah, that's like totally up my alleyway. Um, and so, although he hadn't directed before, I was like, okay, I think you know we're totally in the same sort of arena here in terms of like what our sensibilities are and like you know I guess the story yeah I mean I read the script and was like crying <laughs> at the end oh well, that's a good sign in a way but like um yeah it's uh yeah it was, it, was, it was a really strong adaptation so so then like I think they were still kind of in the process of getting funding completed and you know, I went off and did various other jobs and then it might have even been a year later or something then it was like, okay, we're going to go with this. And it's, it was just, you know, COVID had just begun <laughs> and they were like starting to do castings. They were doing all that remotely, re remotely rather. Um, and so, yeah, we just started to have the conversations have the dinners <laughs> so the zoom dinners you mean <laughs> uh, actually we yeah we did some zoom. were no, you we each other's bubble <laughs> i'm trying to think i just have this memory of actually sitting outside 
and eating so it must have already been like may or something but mm-hmm. But tell me, Kate, you mentioned something that I'm really interested in. So you said that when you may met Colm, is that the mm-hmm. correct pronunciation? Yeah. Oh, his name. Okay. So when you met him, you and you kind of realized that you were on the same page and you will, will work together. Uh, it took about a year to complete, to, to finalize the budget. Mm. So how do you go about prepping a film? where you don't know what the budget constrictions are. Uh, and then maybe you, you dream up something bigger than you can fit into the budget. Or how do you go about prepping a film where you're told this is the budget, mm. but you can clearly see from the script that this budget needs to be this much. Mm. <laughs> How do you how do you discuss with a director the needs to maybe approach the producer to to rethink it or uh, yeah yeah I mean I just recently <laughs> had that conversation <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> tell us give us all the goods <laughs> oh god it's top secret <laughs> um, so yeah that's all kind of very current. Um, hmm. Because I guess the project is quite ambitious and there's a lot of VFX work needed and it's a debut uh, feature. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, uh, even with the amount that they were asking for, it seemed to me that like, I mean, it, sorry, the other thing I should say is I'm still learning what money equals mm-hmm. what on screen. Like it's, sometimes it's a little bit of a mystery like you're wondering oh where did the budget go (laughs) do we really have that little (laughs) you know when you compare it to some other jobs that you did where it was maybe like half the the budget but um yeah I guess um like the director is a good good old friend of mine so I was able to just like speak very kind of plainly and honestly um so she yeah she's kind of looking at rewriting now um okay I just think that like so often you you find yourself in these productions where it's like for me the sort of biggest miscalculation is like you don't have enough time you know and so you know you're kind of asking people to rewrite to actually just be more economical in the story so that the scenes that are left there that they'll get enough weight on screen and that you're not sort of stretching the cloth too you know um and so like i know we had that conversation with Arakt, which was um under the same scheme uh the tg Kahar or cine called yeah um and so with the quiet girl, sorry, I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, but <laughs> uh, so far um, I can follow. So I'm sure our audience yeah. thinks as well. <laughs> <laughs> so the question was about, yeah, cutting the, well, yeah. So the, I guess, um, so that recent experience that she, she's gone off to, to re, 
really look at the script. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it, like ultimately, because it, it is a really kind of valuable conversation to have because like you, you just don't want to be in a situation where you've got like five scenes to shoot in three locations or I don't know, like 10 locations <laughs> in mm-hmm. one day, you know, it's like, it's just, it doesn't do the film justice in the end. Everybody's going to be like crying into their pillows. Exactly. End. No, no, no. I understand completely. But I wonder if you've been in a situation where, if you know that is the case, um, that you're not doing the material justice and the budgets either can't stretch or the writing rewriting won't happen is there a case to i'm not saying that it, whether i'm not asking whether you've personally done it but would you consider maybe then stepping away from a project because you you maybe you know that you can't achieve give it your best yeah i feel like i have maybe but not can't really think what what that was but um um i think i haven't stepped away at a late point you know what i mean i think it's probably just up front when somebody approaches me then i think okay this is not sort of realistic um and maybe, maybe i could have had the conversation but i, I think probably i just thought oh no this is kind of under underproduced in a way like as in just even to begin with it's it's not being realistic and um. so like with the more projects that you shoot you can gauge that better can you that maybe maybe it's, yeah. it's part of your experience that you can now tell a little bit more whether mm. it's worth going down the road or, mm-hmm. or just keeping away is that it yeah. yeah i mean also i guess what i find useful is um i've been with an agent now for the last three four years three years i think yeah um and that's that can be quite helpful in those moments where you're like what do you think you know because they've seen scripts go through and budgets and they have you know it's just like they've seen a lot more than me in terms of this and this equals that <laughs> um, so yeah that can be kind of helpful i think to sort of use use your agent as a sounding board um but yeah i think i'm beginning to understand the mechanics of a budget a little bit more now um but it's still still can be because you don't know what you know what an actor is you know what the deal is there like you know i'm not privy to all of that stuff it's and also i find it funny because like let's say a production designer would be allocated a budget so they actually manage their budget for their department so they're the ones that are like that's kind of a huge responsibility in a way because on one level it's a freedom because then you you know what you're dealing with exactly figures wise and you know what you can achieve you still have to deliver on 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 budget <laughs> whereas i i don't have to as a hod i'm not given a a budget you know it's like the line producer or production manager is dealing with that and i'm 
I'm very happy with that. <laughs> but you still kind of have to feed some sort of numbers to them, it's right? Serious, yeah. Like so, I mean, I'm I'm just putting in lists. Of course, you know, I have a better sense now what piece of equipment equals what, you know, money-wise. But um, yeah, it's still still a kind of a learning process in terms of what what all those sort of and, and yeah I think that's like the more you you understand the mechanics of that and you know what's going to be feasible budget wise then you can start to reflect that earlier in conversation with the director so that you're not sort of leading down the wrong path into some kind of like um you know dream world <laughs> and then it's like uh oh no we can't have those lenses no you can't no, there's no way you can crane it's like yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i know those um I, I i actually yeah i shot a project recently where we needed a crane but couldn't couldn't have it but um i wonder um it's good to know that even say at uh the level where you find yourself which is not uh, the beginning you're definitely kind of on the rise getting to do more more involved projects that, that you you still don't necessarily have everything every uh, aspect of your of uh, of your involvement figured out you're learning as you go <laughs> and maybe maybe a, a director of photography um uh, who is who is beginning and looking to step up she doesn't need to worry that much that she doesn't have that particularly nailed down. It's mm. something that she's going to learn mm. as she steps up. Uh, those things will be revealed to her, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, And, yeah, for sure. Okay. Like I, I think, um, you know, in terms of my transition, say, from documentary into drama, like I had done quite a number of uh dramatized documentary you know or reconstructed drama or whatever you want to call it so i think actually i was really kind of hungry to to do drama at a certain point um and of maybe even kind of over dramatizing the documentaries that i was doing <laughs> you know? um but um Yeah, so when when I got offered, I suppose the first kind of um, jigsaw piece of that was a TV series called Blood, um, and you know when when they offered the job to me, you know I was of course I was like excited and you know scared at the same time, but like it, you know it felt I felt ready to kind of take on the challenge. I was sort of. Mm -hmm. like, yeah like let's go <laughs> you know like yes it was your uh, time yeah just like I felt like okay I, I I have the tools in my bag of course I need a few more but you know I felt sort of yeah just I had enough sort of backbone to sort of see me through um but yeah it, it was you know it's all, it was all a huge learning curve and how to kind of negotiate that was I think probably one of the biggest things that came out of that first job was like you know just how to choose your choose the things that you really can't compromise on like what where you feel like okay this 
series needs, you know, movement in these scenes or to elevate, you know, certain story or plot points or, you know, so then I think it's, yeah, it's just kind of finding the things that right across the board when you've looked at the whole scripts, like, okay, these, you know, I definitely need steady cam for five days or, you know, uh, we need to pre-life, you know, a night scene or, or whatever it was that then you're prepared to kind of negotiate on the other elements to sort of see those through and protect them. And I think, yeah, you have to be, you have to understand that you're not going to get <laughs> everything you, you ask for, you know, unless you're making yeah. a commercial <laughs> or something. There but, you go. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and can I ask you, Kate, you, you so because you open up the, the uh, topic of series, yeah. I, I have a question for you. So I wonder when you, so when you're prepping a feature, it's a lot of talking with the director, but I wonder is on a series, is it still a director that you're talking to? Or are you discussing these creative decisions about equipment and budgets or not? Are you discussing that with a completely uh, so someone else? How does that work? Um, yeah, I guess maybe the producer is a little bit more involved creatively on a TV series. Um, probably depends on what what series you're doing, but um, yeah, definitely decisions, like there might be an initial conversation with the director and then you need to sort of bring it to the the, the people above. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Is that terrifying? <laughs> kind of going from the learned pattern of dealing with directors and all of a sudden it's like a team of the uh, higher ups. I don't know. I think if, yeah if you if if there's a good reason for it then you know they'll understand they're mm -hmm. they're you, you it's just it's just another kind of layer to you know selling the idea or the concept that you you know or the piece of equipment that you feel isn't is required for for the job so i think it just strengthens you as a you know, it just, it just means that you have to have more resolve. Like a negotiator. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, it comes back around to negotiating and understanding where they're coming from and the pressures that they have on their table. And um, Yeah, ultimately, they, they want it to look good as well. You have to understand that, you know, it's not like, you know, you're the one who's you're the only one who wants to you know, make it look great. It's it's um everybody is ultimately working towards the same goal. Um, but it's just I suppose they're balancing all the all the things and the scales. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um other than say this, like who do you talk to when it comes to your feature and series, what would you say like for again for a, a DOP uh, who is uh, hoping to or gets an opportunity to step up to series, what does she need to be prepared for? What are the differences between prepping a feature and prepping a series? Um, I guess the, you're just dealing with, you know, uh, like more material. So 
you've got a longer yeah. story to tell or more in-depth characters. So um, it's just keeping an eye on the thread throughout that you don't lose. It's easier to lose your way maybe, you know. Over so do you create some sort of a Bible that you kind of stick to? Some, some. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had heard, um, was it Jody Lee Lipes um, speak and he had said, oh yeah, I like to develop a Bible where I can share it with different departments and, you know, on my crew and stuff. I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to do that in my next film. <laughs> and sure enough, it didn't. <laughs> didn't yeah, you need a holiday to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And also, um, for me, like, it is a continually changing, like, it's, it's constantly in flux. Um, and so, like, the ideas and concepts that you had, like, three weeks ago might already be, you know, thrown out the door. And, I mean, not completely, but just, I think it's useful maybe with the director as a conversation, but um, by the time you get to, you know, meeting with your gaffer and stuff, like if, yeah, if you, I guess if you had more time, then you could reassess your Bible, your initial Bible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that the thing is just to, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a kind of a, like, you know, running a hundred meters as opposed to like a marathon. <laughs> or well, like, maybe with, like that's probably short film to uh, TV series maybe. So it's just sort of pacing yourself as well. I think, you know, not to throw everything into week one or, or even just like, yeah that you have like you just select scenes where you know these need like they need a little bit more care and attention um and it's not necessarily because it's because you could have a very powerful dialogue scene um that's like you know changes the whole uh plot of a film or like the understanding of of the characters but it might not actually need that much. Like it, it might speak enough itself within the dialogue that you just have to let let it settle, let the camera settle. So I think it's just it's finding the ebb and flow of a story, like where things need to gather momentum or escalate, and where maybe you need to kind of step back and kind of allow allow the the story to just to be. So. Um, yeah, I think what's handy is just like I, I um, discovered script scriptation. Yeah, um, which is like a digital version of the script where you put in your notes and um, as they keep kind of updating the script, which happens a lot on TV series, um, to be able to just copy over your notes each time. So we first script and you just carry all your notes with you. Um, and I find that really, really helpful. And also you can do lots of kind of highlighting and, you know, and then you can change it, like, cause the emphasis of things maybe shift or um, when you relook at a scene. So um, yeah, I think it's just, it's continually maybe 
because with cinematography, I think you, you have to go right in into the macro, but you also have to be able to kind of step back and see the, the bigger picture. So you're continually having to kind of, you know, get in there and, you know, do the sort of practical, technical craft, but also you need to be able to kind of step back and see the bigger picture. And I think with TV series, that's, that's really important. No, exactly. I think you just described something that that I um, I feel strongly is part of our responsibility. It's kind of to we have to watch over the overall um, um, what do you call it trajectory authenticity, the truth of mm. of the of the whole piece, mm. like the mm. continuity, and that does that does take exactly what you said, kind of going in and doing that particular job at at the hand right now but also being able to step back and monitor to see it does it work as a whole piece and uh that yeah, is yeah sorry just think, thinking there that like you could shoot a really beautiful scene within a film or a series but it almost is out of character from the rest of the yes production and so yeah it's exactly that like that you yeah you need to continually be checking in with because you've, you've probably established a, a number of rules through or motifs or or you know an approach and so it's just sort of continually checking back in with that whether it makes sense like i remember with um the quiet girl um you know we like continually just sort of would find the place where the camera needed to go for the scene but it just felt weird to move the camera you know it just it felt too obtrusive like intrusive rather um, but when we well actually maybe I shouldn't talk about the final scene have you watched the film i'm not yet okay not yet, Kate. <laughs> okay well i can say without giving anything away i guess but like um when we blocked the final scene, immediately both of us separately, like myself and Colm, were like, oh, this this has to be handheld. Like, there's no other way to shoot this moment. And we just had a, this very strong instinctive response to it. But that that's like such a joy to have those moments because you realize that you have completely found a language for the film that like there's no, there's no other way to do it. It has to be in order, like in order for everything to to link on. It has to be shot in this way. And um, yeah, I think um, I guess with experience, you, you get more comfortable with finding that language. But it's it's all it's all part of the process, and it's yeah, it's just such a lovely thing to find what that is like. What what is the makeup of it? You know. Is it about what you know? What motivates the camera movement? Who, who's the anchor in the story? Who's the who's who's telling the story in these moments? Yeah, yeah. whose scene is it? Right. I always yeah. ask myself, whose scene yeah. is this? And yeah, and whose whose eyes are we watching this scene through? And mm. yeah, mm. and so so that basically means that you say even if you kind of uh, prepared uh, um, those rules that you said to how, how what are you going to stick to it just means have being open-minded throughout the whole process and kind of 
allowing the the story to tell you to guide you mm. right and and maybe be ready to to break some of your rules because the breaking of them will make it complete mm. um, i think i think that's particularly for a beginning um, filmmakers or those who have shot a few things but but um, are still gaining experience it's good to know this that whatever you kind of storyboard for your film and you know kind of envision in your mind it's always important to kind of go in with with an open mind um, and and willingness to to be swayed mm, exactly because I think probably my first few short films were like storyboard the hell out of it, you know was... I was gonna ask you about that okay <laughs> go on I know it was so much fun and because you were just cleaning it all up and like reenact the scene and like you know like I, I, yeah it's it's like I just find it fascinating depending on where you're going to be uh, you know where you're going to put the camera on a particular moment it can just change the whole dynamic or understanding of you're witnessing and so yeah just we would like storyboard like crazy and and then like you know if we got all the like each day and you cross off the storyboards and like yeah that was a really great day but like we weren't actually we weren't like looking at what the actors were doing essentially you know it was it was I mean I think I think there is a place for storyboarding and if you've got like multiple cameras or stunts or you know if you need to communicate um with other departments ahead of time vfx all of that like there's definitely a place for it but i i think um more and more yeah just as long as i know what the essence of the scene is and what the truth of it you know what we want to pull out of that scene um then yeah just it's trying to be open and watching the blocking and and sometimes it's kind of terrifying looking at blocking because you're like oh my god how am i gonna how are we gonna cover this like yes <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think you just have to try and learn to exercise that muscle because it's just so so important to be able to take in what the actors are presenting like you know that mm. is the crux of it like it's they're responding to the material and then they'll bring to it like something that you could never have yep. of, you know. but i feel like kate would you say that in order to do that to allow yourself and the director to to be this kind of these kind of filmmakers do you need to allow for more days then to shoot it? Because you're in, in, you're initially like you're seeing the scene for the first time there in rehearsal, right? And you're figuring out the blocking. So say if you were to shoot a short film in two days, you'd have no chance to allow yourself this. You would need to have that storyboard and follow it through, bam, 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 and do it. So do you, if this is the approach, do you then factor that into the the timing for each scene and and hmm. the days I, I think you could do a whole storyboard if yeah if it's a short film and you're still like it's still very early days then like you could definitely storyboard but I would almost try and put it in your back pocket you know 
like um because often actually you might storyboard something much more complicated than it needs to be you know and by just looking at what's happening with the actors that you might actually find just a simpler way to deliver and just maybe even just more kind of poetic or you know, more authentic in that or, moment yeah yeah um, hmm. of course like maybe what you could do is because with a short film okay so the expense is really the equipment and locations and all that like most people aren't yeah. paid for their time right so what you could do is you spend do minimum wage yeah like you could spend the time beforehand and prep just buy one of the scenes like if you can get a hold of you know some of the actors and just actually try a, a version of you know how it might be on set so you could actually pre-rehearse a scene and sort of see how that's going to work, you know, within the dynamics of the team. Or so use the time when you're not, you know, having to hire equipment and, you know, just take your phone and play around a bit. Um, you know, there's ways, I guess, of doing it cheaply as well and saving time and learning. Like, it's just, you know, I remember in Poland, they would give us this uh, exercise where you had to just do a whole scene in one shot, but you didn't know what the scene was. And so you'd go in and oh, observe okay. the scene and then like have to kind of achieve <laughs> a one mm -hmm. shot. But it's it's just so good because you have to follow your instinct and kind of commit to what you're doing. Like yeah, it's just such a good exercise to do. Like um so even like yeah i mean that's stuff that you could be doing with your phone and a friend and true true that's that's a great tip i, I really like that something that that you can proactively be improving improving your storytelling mm -hmm. and 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 creating that gut feeling within you yeah because i think that the talking you know it's continually something that i'm trying to get my head around and you know, mm -hmm. comfortable <laughs> responding to because it's such a it's such a tight time yeah it's like you see it and then you have to react and then you have to plan and then the time is gone you know <laughs> so it's, exactly um, i almost feel like that was the the way they used to make films back in the 80s and 90s in hollywood when they had endless money <laughs> Yeah, 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 and they yeah. could first watch the blocking and then decide how they're going to light it and then light it, <laughs> yeah, Shoot it. No, it's, no, it's normally lit I normally have it more or less lit but um, yeah it's um, I just think it's so critical like I'd even take a little bit more time to um, to block and find the camera positions then start in like you know just okay we've got we've decided on one angle let's just shoot that <laughs> you know like it's it's just for me it's because it, what inevitably what happens in that situation is you end up doing shooting too many setups when you could have could have economized a bit so i think even just taking an extra five minutes to sort of tease that out to figure it out you know, mm -hmm. the standing there and looking at the watch and <laughs> the pressure's on <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> okay. Um, Kate, you mentioned that you're usually pre-lit. Um, so um, I know we're kind of running toward the, the hour. Um, so maybe I'll just fit this question in before I turn to our audience's questions. I'd like to know, how do you work with a gaffer? And how, like, how, how early on do you bring a gaffer? into the mix and do you like to kind of come with your ideas um first or do you want to hear their ideas how to light things or how does that work uh yeah so i guess i mean right now it's so busy out there <laughs> with like tv production has gone bonkers so yeah. if you're shooting a feature film then you need to kind of get your crew much earlier than you traditionally would have um because they'll just be sucked up by <laughs> all these movie productions so that's one thing to to bear in mind but um yeah i guess like i, I typically won't contact anyone until i've been offered the job um and then i'll start to think about okay who you know it's it's kind of like casting probably like where okay the, you need to think about their technical ability but also what's their like what's their sensibilities as well like will they be tuned into the sort of dynamics in the room or you know okay mm -hmm. yeah so i think it's it's quite important i think and more and more i've kind of realize that as well like you could have a very skilled person with lots of energy but they might actually not quite understand what it is you're making and so in, the, in terms of the story and so you'll end up sort of kind of wrestling a little bit even though they're hugely experienced and you know you both have huge respect for each other it's just it's never going to kind of land in the way that it needs to um, so yeah um probably yeah I, I love chatting to gaffers actually <laughs> this is one of my things <laughs> like um secret hobbies love talking about yeah lighting so um i try and get them you know to locations as soon as i can but normally it's later than you'd want mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so we try and send them photos and um yeah, just sort of tune them into what it is, what what the look is, like visually what you're trying to achieve. And then, because invariably they've had more experience than you in all of these different situations of how, you know, how you're going to light something. So I quite like asking them, like, what's what do you think is the best approach here? Um, I already have an idea myself, like maybe how you go about it, but you know you're hiring them for their expertise so you know why not use it <laughs> exactly yeah you yeah. might disagree on some things or question some stuff but that's all about like you know the working relationship so um yeah so i guess to try and get them out to location and normally like say with a tech rookie <laughs> what happens is like all the time is is up but you still need to talk to the gaffer <laughs> there's just so much information to relay there so even if you get them a little bit earlier than the tech recce thinking about you know 
are these windows big enough for the space that we want to live? Is it the fact that it's up on the third floor? Are we going to be able to achieve what we want with the budget? So all those questions, like you need to try and get that happening before locations are locked in because otherwise then you're going to be in a tight corner. <laughs> so um, I guess you 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 would be at the kind of stage where you can veto a location you know no longer at the stage where you have to do with what you're given right because <laughs> that happens yeah. in years okay, when okay, you're making yeah. short films yeah fair enough i mean i think it can all feed into the like you might disagree on locations or but like I think if you can feed that information in, the sooner the better, you know. Mm. Are you talking about sort of access to locations, say on a short film or something like that? that you no, might not I mean, join? usually it's 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 budget. Like on a short film, you can't afford to pay for a location. So it's usually this person's gaff or, you know, sure, okay. that, that grandmother's <laughs> house. <laughs> and that's what we have. And that's where we're doing it. Yeah. Sure. And then you look at the script and you're like, yeah, but the <laughs> that's not what the story calls for. And you're trying to and then physically you don't have maybe space outside to light through the windows or whatnot. But you ideally you'd want to see find the location where you can do it, where you can deliver what's being asked of you, right? Mm. And um, so so it would be, what I'm saying is that- huge, Like it's it's such a huge jigsaw piece for me, like, you know, finding the right location, you know, visually I can do many things, but like you can't change the look of a small white room into yeah. you know a moody bar <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it just it, it doesn't go so um, yeah I think um, just really important to kind of hammer that home at the beginning that like take time to try and find something even if it's it means rewriting a scene because mm -hmm. aunt, like you know square peg doesn't fit in the round hole it, it just doesn't yeah doesn't work and yeah i've probably shot stuff where i'm like yeah yeah that location's fine and then realize no <laughs> halfway, <laughs> halfway into it and you learn the hard way but yeah you definitely won't make that mistake again you know? it, yeah <laughs> or maybe you make it one more time and then <laughs> i have to say i have to say i don't know if she if she's listening now but i i've worked with the director on three shorts and uh, one of she's one of the best directors because um, not only uh, do I love working with her, but because when I need it, she would paint the room the color I needed, okay. you know. And and I just love that. And uh, it happened, I think, on all three films that we shot. She was just yeah, open to got, painting even the entire house if need be. You've got the negotiating powers. <laughs> But that that's that's really it. That's kind of um, sometimes um, if 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 you're stuck with a location, then let's see what we can do to it to make it fit. Um, mm. But that again, that's the negotiation power, right? That's the mm. the, the tool that we learn to to strengthen as we go along. Mm. Or even mm. like you know, sometimes it might be better just to shoot the scene outside if if that's possible. You know, like if the location really isn't delivering. 
or like that you find something externally that can also somehow work for the scene, you know? I think, um, yeah, it is like, as a cinematographer, it is quite scary shooting outside <laughs> because you have less control. Um, not at night. <laughs> but not at night, but then you need to get yeah. lights and everything else. I know, I know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just think like location sometimes can be something that's just kind of rushed through and people think, oh, well, look, sure, you'll be able to, like, we'll get fantastic lenses and this and that. And mm -mm. it's like, oh, like, <laughs> it's exactly. so integral to what images you produce and how you'll block the scene and how you like the scene. All of those things are immediately locked in as soon as you choose a particular kind of location. Um, so, yeah, I, I keep beating that drum. <laughs> Good, good. I'm glad you do. Um, listen, Kate, I, I know I could be talking with you another um, day, <laughs> but I need to now give um, space to our uh, questions from our audience. So I, you, I'm not sure if, if you can see my face when I access the chat. If not, I apologize, but I'm tuned in from my phone, so it can do only one thing at a time. So I'm going to try to access the chat now. And see if I can. Um, Here's your multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Can you see my face or do you see the chat? I do. I see your face. Yeah. Okay. Yay. <laughs> well, I don't know which is better. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I love to see you. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just going to read as it came in. Um, uh, and it's possible that maybe some of them we've already answered. Hey, Kate, do you ever try to convince the director that the shot you have in mind is better than theirs? And then, and then the person said, actually, I think you have already answered this, but um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Say, yeah, say, say what if a director insists on a shot and you're like, but wait, wait, you haven't seen this. Um, do you, how, how long do you try until you give up? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Until I win. <laughs> there you go. It's not about winning, is it? No, no, I think... And I often find like I might think that I have the best idea and then they'll come to the table with theirs and then you'll between the two you'll actually find a much better idea like you won't settle on one or the other but it'll be a combination of the two and that's like yeah it's just so lovely when it starts to kind of find a way but like yeah I think um I like I'm not sort of a confrontational type of character so I probably will sort of qu more quietly suggest things but like a director said to me recently you know somehow <laughs> she said oh somehow I've realized that we've come around to your original idea with it feeling like it's my idea <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a great compliment isn't it yeah and she was like yeah this is like <laughs> this is really i i need i need an exact <laughs> recipe <laughs> it's fantastic but i think that's i mean i think you know i don't know how how i <laughs> actually it's not a particular strategy that i've learned or anything, but 
I think it's just through conversation, then it the idea becomes for them like, okay, this is this makes total sense, or you know, why would we do it any other way? And or they might even because you, you do maybe a full loop around, so you sort of inhabiting other kind of approaches mm -hmm. by the time you come back around you've forgotten what the original <laughs> proposal is so then it feels like your own idea you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just yeah <laughs> through the process of yeah um just navigating through those conversations but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah I mean like I think ultimately you know, if a director has been working on a script for years and finally they get the funding and now it's their moment to to make this film, like you, you're only coming in at the very kind of later part of that. And so you have to really kind of be aware that this is their baby, like in a way. And yes, you know, they've hired you to to do the visuals for, for this film, but, you know, sometimes, yeah, if you, sometimes I find like you might not agree with a decision on something, but actually you'll come, you'll kind of see where they're coming from and why, why it is that it matters so much to them in that moment. And again, maybe it's worth just conceding to that and, you know, to find another point at which to maybe you know not that you it's that you want to use a piece of equipment but maybe you just find another moment to I don't know <laughs> uh, express yourself yeah yeah, yeah. So maybe in that moment you feel sort of like you're a little bit locked in and can't fully kind of realize what it is you want to say visually but yeah I think it's it sort of ebbs and flows like it's mm -hmm. yeah. I find like uh, it has happened to me before and I find that because we do the going in and doing the little mi micro thing and then we step out to make sure that the overall vision is tr truthful and it's it's intact it is that when when something comes at me that I wasn't prepared for or that I now need to think about okay so that's something that maybe we hadn't entertained before and I need to step back and kind of try to see is it gonna fit into this whole piece or mm -hmm. is it gonna stick out like it doesn't belong there mm -hmm. so that's where I kind of find it's those moments that are maybe not easy for me to communicate right away that that's what I'm doing that I'm reviewing what we've done up till this point and what we have yet to do and making sure on the spot that yes, it's going to fit there and we can go ahead and make this, do this shot the way you want. Mm -hmm. Or, and, and at the same time, trying to see, okay, if it's not clicking in my mind, how do I then now try to diplomatically suggest that, what if we try <laughs> this? Or uh, I, I, this is where I would say you really have to be a mind reader and someone that's, that's quite <laughs> diplomatic and, and, um, but you and know, it's, it's sorry. I just think that, like, in the time that you've laid down and prep, like, 
that's why it's just so important to kind of find a mutual place of respect so that when you are in these kind of moments of conflict <laughs> which ultimately you both want to make the best possible film or series or whatever it is together um but that you'll just having laid down that sort of trust and respect that then it just it won't bleed into the next setup or the next scene that you can kind of just let it go and you know maybe laugh about it later or you know it's, yeah it's, it's, yeah um, no, I, I I agree with you. I it's I mean, not it, surgery. It, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. we're, not, we're not saving lives. So, like, I think often because you, I get very monofocused <laughs> when I'm working. You know, and so sometimes I just have to kind of like step back a bit and go, okay, it's you know, it'll be fine. We you know, we'll do it this way. It's not what we have planned, and it's not what the scene maybe deserved, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. But you don't leave the you don't leave the scene without voicing what you think should be ideally done, right? You don't just swallow that idea and go. Because I well, feel like we have a responsibility. No, sometimes I might because I feel like it's not worth there's, okay. there's a bigger game to play and there's many more, you know, because that scene could be left on the editing floor, you know. True. <laughs> this is the thing, like you're not you're not. I think like taking stills or whatever, everything has to be so for that moment, so um, perfect. But like, I think in filmmaking, the thing is constantly in flux and they might only use edit, you know, this bit out of that whole shot that you did. So you might Mm -hmm. feel like, oh, we need to go for that take again. And they're like, no, 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 we don't have time. I'm happy, I've got what I want. And you have to trust them then that they're gonna use the best part of that. <laughs> wow i love i'm learning a lot from you kate thank you uh, it is it is that trust the yeah. mutual trust that is key between between dop and a director um i agree um okay let's just move on to the the other question that i have here i feel like we may have already talked about it um una carney kearney Carney, I apologize if I pronounce oh, no, her name. Yeah, I know, I know. Una, hi Una. Oh, hi. Uh, she did she did a masterclass with us. So hello, welcome. She's asking what's the difference between working on TV series versus feature film. But we've already um kind of addressed that. But she adds, she adds to it and she says, How do you find the edit? Do you like to see a rough cut or only a late cut? Are mm. you ever surprised in a good or bad way of the <laughs> final choices made? <laughs> Yeah, I find watching the edit tricky because I'm still very much like on set when I watch it. I'm like, oh, that's the moment when such and such, you know, I have this whole dialogue in my head and baggage. Um, But I do also want to be involved earlier in the edit so that I don't get kind of a shock when it's maybe too late to say anything oh, okay uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah I think um yeah I mean you're, you're you're continually surprised in a way you know and, and like that you know 
the editing process is like such a powerful tool. Um, I think it's just, yeah, that there's an integrity to it is the thing to be honoring how, how the, the piece has been shot, that you're not kind of countering that in such a way that it just, it becomes a completely different animal that like you would have shot completely differently if you knew that it was going to be edited that way, you know, that kind of way. So I think, um, um, yeah, I can't remember what the first part of that question was, but. Oh, it was the difference between shooting a feature and series, but I already asked you that oh, before. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that's okay. And then we have some lovely comments there uh, from, from our listeners about your work on uh, A Quiet Girl. So I'm not sure if you can, you see the chat yourself there, Kate? Um, um, yeah, I'm going to frame this after. <laughs> please do take a screenshot. <laughs> But um, I, there, there aren't really any any other questions. In it's more um, um, people complimenting your work and thanking us for this chat, which we um, I, I also thank you. So maybe yeah, if really I may talk to you, say it again. It's really great to talk to you. Oh, have you had a good time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Kate. Um, so, I mean, I've already held you a little bit longer than I, I promised I would. So I, if I may have one last question, and this one is particularly aimed at the, the young, um, not the young, the uh, rising um, women DOPs um, uh, at Women in Film and Television and in Ireland generally. Um, this will help us hopefully um, in some way. How do you go about getting an agent? You may mentioned you have one. Mm -hmm. Do they find you? Do you look for one? And uh, yeah, let's just leave it there. <laughs> How does it work? Um, yeah, I think, I'm trying to think, did I contact them? I remember meeting somebody from it was it's Casarotto that I'm with um yeah. mm -hmm. way back like when I was in Sundance with his and hers and we had a few chats but then I kind of rolled into documentary for about 10 years or maybe well eight years then mm -hmm. <laughs> off the back of that and then it just didn't seem to make sense to have you know an agent because you know such a, a small kind of crew and you know, you'd be jumping from one job to the next. And um, so then I guess, yeah, so I did blood and then I sort of thought, you know, maybe I need to start thinking about having somebody to kind of negotiate on my behalf mm -hmm. because already you've got enough things to be negotiating once you get the job. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, that it would be nice to take one of those out of the equation um, and also probably felt like I probably wasn't asking you know for your worth value yeah and so yeah so then I think yeah I must have maybe just dropped them an email and then they were like yes love to meet and I sent to them like a showreel or a link to some of my work and 
then I thought, well, while I'm meeting them, I should meet a couple of other agencies. Um, <laughs> and so I think when you when you say, oh, look, I have a, I have a meeting with, you know, such and such an agency, are you interested in, you know, meeting then it's, right. it gathers the momentum. Okay. Uh, and I did the same with um, after normal people, there was suddenly a bit of interest from the US. And so I didn't have any kind of notion about working in the US or having an agent there, but all of a sudden I was sort of like, <laughs> you know, uh, reaching out was the thing <laughs> they all wanted to reach out so uh, yeah I mean it's a bit of a circus in a way but like ultimately you just want to find somebody that you know that you connect with um, and who you feel like you can sort of trust and sort of yeah just I mean I think probably I was a bit naive going into it just thought oh well they'll they'll do the negotiating part I'll do the rest Okay. But actually, What's the truth? well, it's just I, I think like you know, actually, they're they're kind of a sounding board. You know, there's just been mm -hmm. many situations where, like, there was a particularly tricky situation, which I won't go into. When I just joined them, um, I got fired off a job, and I was like, "Oh my god, what is going on here?" and um, they were just very solid about it because they've obviously been around this, around the houses so many times. And it was just kind of really kind of a great anchor to tune into that when I thought, oh my God, this is the end of my career, you know? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, yeah, I just think I had kind of underrated or underestimated what they could be doing for you. So uh, it's just somebody else kind of, batting for you on your team when you're so used to having to do everything yourself yeah yeah um, so yeah I think like there's there is a time a good time and a bad time to do it like I I'm not I don't think you know I think most of your work is coming through your own reputation and people knowing you and knowing your work um but they may give access to, you know, I suppose with Castle Rotho, they've got writers and directors there in that house as well or under that roof. So they know about projects coming through sooner than I would ever know as an individual. So it does give the opportunity maybe of you meeting with other writer directors that otherwise you, you wouldn't have access to. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Um and would you say would you say that um, you need to have a feature first before you approach someone, or can you can you approach someone with the short films and maybe um, uh, an ad that you shot or music videos? Is there is there a timing that way? Yeah, I mean, I I guess you want to feel like financially it makes sense, as in like they're gonna take you know ten percent or whatever, so like you have to be prepared or like you have to be just comfortable to be handing that amount of your wage over and you're not going to be sort of bitter about it you know what I mean like it's um there's the right time in a way for you to feel like actually I need to open up my horizons a bit more or 
I need somebody to negotiate my behalf because I don't feel like I'm, you know, maybe able to handle whatever the ins and outs are. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe like I probably could have come to them sooner, you know, like I probably mm-hmm. could have after his and hers had done so well and Sundance, I could have maybe push myself out there more and you know use that to my advantage but I don't think I was actually ready (laughs) I think I kind of move probably quite slowly through things um just sort of like when I feel kind of ready even though I do kind of find myself in situations of like okay I've never done this before (laughs) yeah you know, and I think shooting norm, normal people was again another kind of big step up for me, like not having done, that was only the second kind of TV series. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, I don't know whether I've fully answered what you've asked there, but. I no, guess- I think you have, you have. There's definitely a uh, 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 clarity in what you said. Um, and and I, I think, you know, those are the, these questions, thank you for um, like being open to answering them. This is the things that kind of uh, people at the beginning or kind of at, at, at a junction in their career, they don't know where to find the answers for, you know, mm-hmm. and it is, it is, I love that women who have engaged with us, with us in the past, that they, they were willing to um, kind of open or clarify those areas for us, such as say in the past, I spoke to Hannah Quinn, a director that I, I yeah. think you were, yeah, you we know, and you with, yeah. she was extremely um, just open and forthcoming and uh, helped so many directors um, understand things that they didn't know before. So I really appreciate that. Thank you, Kate. Um, yeah. And just to just to keep a promise, um, I know this was my last question, but I forgot that uh, uh, somebody emailed me one before the chat. Oh, okay. And I said, I said I would ask it, so I apologize, but it's a no quick problem. one. And no um, if you get a script mm-hmm. that has a lot of camera mo- movements written into it, oh like, no! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think you just answered. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like just it's so prescriptive that, and it's so like you can't read the script then openly. You can't read it. It's just, uh, yeah, I find it really frustrating. <laughs> and I, I okay, can't... So you prefer to have one <laughs> where where the screenwriter doesn't uh, direct your the camera before um, a director and cinematographer actually had a chance to think about it. Yeah, because it just becomes then, I mean, it's a bit coming back to the storyboard conversation where you're just ticking off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, like, say, the Coen brothers or whatever would just storyboard the crap out of their film. You know, they just... And that's how they work and it works. <laughs> yeah. Thumbs are amazing. We all know that. So like maybe, maybe I'm just, you know, we all work in different ways. And so um, I'm sure they find things within their, you know, it's not like they, they storyboard and that's it. I'm sure they're developing it also mm. on the day. Um, but I think when you're reading a story, to be already thinking about like, you know, a huge crane move or a drone shot or whatever, like, 
you have to bed yourself into the story and free yourself up before you even start thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, where the camera's going to go. Like, I think it's, I mean, it's an interesting question, like, as a cinematographer, when you read the scripts, are you already thinking in terms of images or how? Yeah. How clear is it to you already, like, you know, how, how something should be shot? And I think often I'm just reading it as a book. If I, you know, mm. I try not to kind of think about the process of a cinematographer or kind of leave yeah. it behind and just try and read it as a story. And yeah. sometimes that's hard because you, you know, your brain is trained into sort of, you know, dissecting. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you. In terms of shots and stuff, but I think it is important to try and read it kind of as honestly as you can, just on a human level. Yeah. Mm. Great. Well, that, I, I'm sure that's the answer um, that we needed. As in, you could have answered anything, but you've answered that question. Thank you so much, Kate. All right. Um, I hope you had a good time here. Thank you very much for joining yeah. me. Uh, I, uh, I want to also thank our listeners for tuning in. Um, this will be available as a podcast later on. Um, so whoever missed it um, will have a chance and please spread the news. Um, I, uh, we, we have other events uh, planned for, um, for the future. So I hope you guys will tune in. Um, Kate, one more time, congratulations on, on your IFTA nomination and on uh, the film um, Qu- A Quiet Girl winning Berlinale. Thank you. Um, uh, it, everybody's proud of you, of course. Everybody feels like we own a little <laughs> bit of you. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> um, and uh, thank you once again. Everybody have a good night. This event has been organized with the support of the BAI. If you would like to support Women in Film and Television Ireland or follow the work we do, log on to wft.ie.